pandemic trapped a bunch of aging role-playing gamers in their homes, forcing them to crawl out of their pen and paper comfort zone and into the online world of virtual tabletops and video calls. To join them as they raise the curtain to share their stories, insights, and love all things geek. To grab your long sword and your plus one bottle of Viagra and get ready for another episode of Advanced Age Role-Playing Gamers Podcast. That's a lot of syllables for one sentence. Hello and welcome to the Advanced Age Role-Playing Gamers Podcast. I'm Nathan, I'm a host for tonight. We've got a special episode. We've got the folks from Battlelords, the 23rd century, uh, on board with us. And we're really super excited to have them. Uh, and uh, this is probably, we've done a few interviews, and this is probably the biggest one we've ever had. And I kind of feel like we should have just grabbed some dice and some character sheets and 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 got to it, but uh, didn't really plan that out. So, and so we're just going to interview them and, and talk about uh, what's going on, and, and, and they can tell us a little bit more about Battle Lords and, and what they've been working on. So, uh, tonight I've got with me uh, Tier and Chris. If you guys can say hi, hello, hi everybody. And uh, if I could have the the guys from uh, Battle Lords uh, uh, do around Robin and, and introduce themselves and and you know, who they are, what they do. We'll start with Kurt. My name is Kurt. They call me the Viking, and I am an engineering nurse. That's awesome. Excellent. Uh, how about uh, uh, Dave next? Dave or David, uh, also CDO, uh, OCD with the letters in the correct order. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, known, known Tony for a very long time and, and, and Kurt for a while as well. And uh, yeah, martial arts. My background is uh, actually chemistry and then computing. Um, I'm published in low energy physics. Um, so those are some of the things oh, I've nice. done. Been involved in gaming since uh, a while ago. We don't know what that's like at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. And, the, the, uh, the fact that I was sitting around reading your book and remembering some pages from you know 20 years ago uh, from the sixth edition, I'm like, oh, oh, I, I should really focus more on my job. <laughs> And we'll finish up with a uh, Tony uh, execu- executor. Is that the what your? That's one way of reading it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, my call sign is executor. It also has a different meaning. I'll let Dave go into that. Yeah, we 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 gave him that name because you can pronounce it two ways: executor or executor. Mm. <laughs> Leave people wondering. Yeah. That, that's always good. That's, fair. that's good. So it's kind of it's great that you guys have known each other a long time. Uh, the most of us in, in our group here uh, have hung out with each other for a long time and played games together. Uh, in fact, uh, Tier and Chris uh, are the only reason I actually know about Battle Lords, even though I've been playing since the 80s. Um, they're the ones who kind of started regaling me with, with stories about uh, their past characters. So, uh, that Battle Lords is the reason that I should never play martial characters again. <laughs> when it, whenever I even mention it, Chris Holt starts to it's hold his head and just cry. Yeah. <laughs> no, but we actually hope to uh, get a one of the one shots uh, of seventh edition done for one of the future podcasts pretty soon. Train to Hades. Based on that comment alone, train to Hades. <laughs> Sounds perfect. Yeah. All right. we're, 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 we're down to we're down to a coin toss of who's actually going to run that one, me or Chris. Yeah, it it's, sounds like a really a, a rally. But yeah, go, why don't you get guys uh, like me? Not everybody knows about Battle Lords. If so, who wants to volunteer and, and kind of do uh, how, what, and why Battle Lords for us? All right. Well. I'll show the book here. Oh, well, I guess it's not going to work so well with the green screen, but there we go. There's the book fading in and out. <laughs> you got to deal with those rift dimensions. They're kind of hard to ma- manipulate. Uh, so Battle Lords of the 23rd Century is a science fiction role-playing game based in percentile. Um, from a genre perspective, you take the dark and dystopian kinds of futures. You take Blade Runner, Fifth Element. There's people who have money. There's people who don't. Uh, and Battle Lords is one of the ways you can get out of that. So they're the rock stars or the uh, basketball players or the football players of their time. Uh, we have the flexibility to allow for being more of a mercenary or stand-up kind of uh, army, thinking like Starship Troopers. 
Um, or you can go for more of a piracy or exploring the frontier, kind of vaguely like Serenity and, and Firefly. Um, a lot of different options of how you want to play it. It's a very flexible system. Um, so that's uh, a little bit about kind of the nature of the game. And then the creator was, we're actually the third company, Tony, keep me on a third company to pick this one up, um, to, to keep it going. And Larry Sims created it, uh, like 92, I think it was. I think 90 was the first. Under, uh, was it 90? That's, uh, going by my book. Okay. Um, I, I've, I've lost track of exactly how old it is. It's been around yeah. for a few years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we started first playing it in 1995, I think it was. So just to give you an idea. <laughs> yep. And uh, created by Larry Sims, an African-American who had been in the military, and he wanted to bring together an RPG that reflected some of the experiences from a military background, and that's why there's a lot of things that you can see that you can just kind of pull straight out of an army manual. Tony Kurt, I don't know if you want to add anything. Okay, this, the play style in Battlelords is very flexible. It's a, a wide open campaign where you can do just about whatever you want. If you want to be a space pirate, you can be a space pirate. If you want to be a colony inspector, you can be a colony inspector. If you want to be Indiana Jones, only the alien equivalent of it, you can do it. This system is so flexible, it can handle all of that. I, I You know, from... What I remember, what I've read about the up ones. I mean, you can, you literally can do anything. You can, you can be a mercenary. You can be a private eye. You can be part of the military. You can be against the military. It's so, it's so open world. You, I mean, it's just left to your imagination. Yeah, we've run kind of t- top secrety types of campaigns through here. One campaign I ran, uh, the the players all decided to get together and run a shipping company. They basically got a, got their hands on a large ship, and so we basically had to build Starship rules on the fly. Um, <laughs> so that was an interesting thing. They started running a cruise liner and picking up passengers and dealing with adventures along the way. And we we recently ran afoul of how that how that could go badly uh, with a Starfinder campaign that we were in, where everything was great. And then we got to the starship uh, battle weeks and I would just throw up in my hands and sit there and watch the chaos happen because it, it just didn't run as smoothly as it should have. Yeah. Yeah. Spaceship combat is, is hard. Uh, you know, unless the whole game is around. Like I remember those old systems that uh, Starfleet battles where it was just about uh, the uh, spaceship battles, but a lot of systems just don't do vehicle combat. Great. So that's uh, super tough. Yeah. Our uh, focus for the Starship combat system. So, yeah. so that the, the challenge in running Starship combat or, or even vehicle combat, it looks like we may have lost uh, Tony's visual here, um, is that the, uh, the focus of the gameplay, right? Uh, so if you take Starfleet Battles as a great example, Starfleet Battles is great as a cohesive game system where your focus really is on, I've got all these ships, I've got all these counters of missiles, I've got all these shuttles and fighters and you know all these different things. It has no context or understanding of the people on the various things. So there's no captains, no engineers, none of that. That's all gone. Um, so, or if you go to fa- if you go back in the day and remember fastest starship combat system, which is based on Star Trek, they had two ways to play it. One was just like Starfleet Battles. The other way was to flip it and say, okay, we're going to have you on the bridge. Someone's going to play the role of the captain. Somebody's going to play the role of the engineer. Someone's going to have phasers, you know, that kind of a a mindset. Or um, Battle Stations is one that apparently is a more modern version of that kind of a thinking. Um, So it was that kind of contrasting them, player focus, thing focus, right? Or, Or ship focus. And so we've intentionally created something where it is, it is player focused. What is the player going to do? Are they going to shoot the guy jumping onto the bridge? Or are they going to fly the ship? You can't do both. <laughs> you're either flying the ship or you're shooting. And you want to do both. Yeah. Well, what's your priority? Mm-hmm. So it, it really keeps that dynamic going and it keeps it turn, you know, action, player action based versus you're breaking out a context kind of jumping to this other context and then jumping back in. Again and really, the older mechanics discussions get very, very dry after a while. Yeah, that's the other thing we did. We avoided any kind of intent to create specific distances and speeds because, yeah, you, you start getting into, do you really want to do that calculus? I'm happy to do it, but do you really want to go there? And so that's why the the distances and stuff for the thing are more of a, um, they land as a very arbitrary, I'm close, I'm not that close, 
I'm going, I'm accelerating. It's actually done from a relative frame of reference. There's always somebody who's slower. If you think about the old World War II movies, right, or, or reels, the, the bombers are always getting attacked by the fighters. The fighters are never getting attacked by the bombers. Somebody's going slowest. That's the inertial frame of reference. And it's all about what, you know, how fast they're coming in. Because at the end of the day in space, whoever's got the faster engines, you know, much like World War II, the fighters had the faster engines, the bombers just kind of had to fight them off. That's all you can do. Same thing for, um, you know, sailing ships. Why were the smaller sailing ships used against the larger galleons? Because they were faster and they could pick the fight the way they wanted to pick the fight. Um, So it gives you that kind of a mindset of they're coming in and you kind of like the Star Wars, the Millennium Falcon and the TIE fighters coming in. You're having to fight off the invaders coming in um, or flipping it if you're coming and you're like, I've got to come in and take my shots and pick the range I want to be at. Um, So the, the fight's driven by that mechanic. And so it doesn't matter how fast you're flying through space. What really matters is are you closing? Are you maintaining your distance? Or are they managing to accelerate their engines and flipping the mechanic, and now they're pulling away? And it's all about that relative distance. So in Battle Lords, we try to keep the focus on the player. Everything is about the player, their skill sets, what they're doing. Having them do something the entire time is the kind of the crux and focus of the game. So we've tried to keep that to scale from their suit of armor to vehicles to even spaceships. So every time... During those situations or during those games, what they're doing, the intent is to keep the focus on the players, to keep them entertained, engaged, and having fun. It doesn't leave out your cargo guy. (laughs) And -hmm. and that's awesome, too, having that scale, because that, I found, was a real problem with, uh, or at least a a lot of people had a problem with uh, Palladium, with rifts and what have you. And the old systems, the MDC, SDC, you know, heavy, heavy mechs, spaceships, it didn't scale. It, you know, it, you, could, you could lose you could lose an entire party of characters in one shot. It was it was unpleasant to play. Yeah. So uh, speaking of that, like one of the things when you think about riffs is like it's, you know, played a lot of it. Super fun. But you know, it wasn't so balanced. Uh, so how do you guys tackle balance with, with the Battle Lord system? Yeah. So so there is that kind of thing that's inherent when you have the ability to bring in starships capable of crossing galaxies and doing horrendous amounts of damage. Um, the way we've got things scaled from that perspective, there are hand weapons that can damage them. I mean, it's not, it's not a fair fight, let's be clear, but there are ways to be able to be not completely ineffective um, so there's a lot of scalability across a fairly large range. Um, but, uh, there's also the pick your fights. <laughs> so there's, there's a certain amount of understanding, you know, what to do when that comes into it. Cause the gameplay choice of engaging a starship while carrying a pickle, a pistol and wearing a <laughs> loincloth, probably not the wisest choice, but if you're an Orion, it's perfectly in character. Yeah. I'm going to quote, I'm going to quote you your, uh, I'm going to quote one of your books. Uh, it's not the, it's if the characters get killed, it's, it's a problem with them. They're over-equipped and under-trained. Yes, absolutely. That's, and that's one of the common themes that we uh, encourage the games to play is that over-equipped, but under-trained, you've got all this really cool equipment, but you don't know how to use it very well and you've got to solve the problem and you've got to learn on the fly and think really quickly about some things sometimes. It makes for some really funny scenarios. We, I, I know Chris and I have been through some of those and they've been fantastic. Like, Logan, you know, ejecting an escape pod in, uh, while you're fleeing from a ship that you know is going to catch you or blow up your ship, except that escape pod is full of explosives. Uh, <laughs> And it blows up the ship that's trailing you. I, it, it works. <laughs> so wait, you're going to ride on a bomb oh, and hope it doesn't shoot you. Okay, yeah. good luck. <laughs> oh, no, no, there was no, yeah. there were no personnel in that escape pod. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> we were just using that we as just, a means to get away. Yeah. Gotcha. I thought you meant you were getting in there and then popping out of it, leaving that behind so you were dead. Well, we have a, we have a player who likes to do those kind of things, but <laughs> mm, yeah. we haven't introduced him to Battle Lords yet. Yeah. Tony Kubo and Battle Lords are going to go hand in hand. Yes. Pure chaos. One of the other. One of the That's other usually my job really to come up with the strange stuff. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> some strange things. 
Um, one of the other common themes that was a big thing for Larry and we've tried to continue is really that focus on gameplay and overcoming differences. I mean, it, when you look at military training, they take a bunch of people with random backgrounds and throw them all together and they have yeah. to function as a unit. You may or may not like that person, but you have to trust that they're going to help keep you alive. And so that was a, a common theme as well. That was the, that was a theme that we just fin- we just wrapped our uh, season with Twilight 2000, uh, and that was absolutely how you can describe that campaign. A bunch of people, wildly different backgrounds and nationalities, thrown together, had to form a unit and and survive. And you know, it played it made for interesting gameplay. Yeah, but it mm-hmm. absolutely worked. You've got like what 13, 14 different. Uh... Races, species, whatever you want to call them. Yeah, we've got about, I think it's, I think it is 14 species, uh, somewhere in that neighborhood in terms of playable species. And they've got hit back history. They've had wars with each other. Sorry, sorry, Kurt. Oh. Uh, okay. Thank you. Um, and so they've got back history where they've had wars with each other. So certain of the species really don't like each other. So it, you get into some interesting things with Fantari and Eridani, who are the classic, we don't get along. Um, so, yeah, Kurt, you want to jump in with more about species? So there's every species in the Battle Lords universe has its own neat, unique uh, eological niche where it you know, developed and grew and, and the reason why they're mm. that way. Um, so you have some that are completely powerhouse fighters like your Sisorax, your Rampythons, your Eridanis. And you have some that are extremely intelligent like your Chetillions and Muzakans. And then you've got some that are just off the wall like the Rosette who are good at fixing things. And your Keen who are the Supreme Snipers and Scouts. To your Infiltrators, the Mazians. Uh, everyone has a role to play and everyone's function is... Not so much design, but there's areas where they have strength. On the flip side of that, anyone can be anything in this system. And the only thing you really have to worry about is managing the interaction between the species. Because some of these have gone to war with each other, like the Sisarek and the Rams. I mean, they have literally tried to wipe out the other species, like the Eridani and Fantari. So now we're talking about changes from the 6th edition to the 7th edition. Right. Correct. Yeah. So one of the things we wanted to do with the change from the seventh edition to the sixth, sorry, sixth to seventh edition was bring in some alternative species choices to kind of help fill in and and provide some roundness. Um, So we brought in the thought, which were a very common favorite from one of the what we'll call Galactic Underground Gazettes. Um, And uh, we wanted to bring in a, a species that kind of complemented the idea of being in space a lot because there wasn't a species that was really good at at um, fiddling with things and construction and that kind of a thing. And they wanted to fill them in. So the species, just to run through them real quick, um, you've got your Chetillians who are basically empaths running around trying to learn the secrets of everything. They're great at corporate espionage. Oh, he did it. Um, Scissorax, battle kitties. Don't need to say anything more than that. Uh, Eridani, think <laughs> alien samurai with uh, plasma swords cutting things up. Fought are redneck rabbits with guns. Uh, humans and gen humans don't really need a lot of explanation. Genetic humans are basically genetically modified or engineered humans who have additional traits. Uh, keen are our trifibious uh, bat frogs. They can glide. They can um, they blend into the background. They're perfect for force recon. They basically stick back as a sniper or blend in the environment, sneak up, disable things. Um, Matsians or Mazians are the piles of goo that can transform into anything. They're your Odo type, if you're familiar with Deep Space Nine. So think like Odo. Uh, you've got Mutakans, who are your energy wizard type. Um, you've got Orion rogues, who will do anything on a dare. Um, they love to party. <laughs> Fentari are their allies, and the Fentari are four-armed squid-like creatures that breathe methane and survival of the fittest is king for them. That is the only rule. If you are strong, you do what you want. If you're not, well, too bad for you. Uh, (laughs) The pythons and the ram pythons are related. The pythons are basically giant snapping turtle types that uh, are quite armored and good at swimming and aquatic type things and really good ground forces. Ram pythons are big, bigger, kind of like a T-Rex, but with big, big arms and everything. They're just really massive lizards. Um, Rosettes. 
are the ones we added that are basically bugs that like to fix things. Um, there's a lot of interesting things about the rheology, which I'll let uh, Kurt get into. <laughs> and then um, the Zen Regellan and the Zazen. The, the Zen and Zazen are the same species. They um, are the healer type. Um, the Zen are the very much uh, moralistic. They're all about healing and pacifism and helping people and all that good stuff. And the Zazen are like, yeah, but what about uh, these situations that just... Are there, is there any time when we can do something that's a little against the rules here? Can we bend rules at all? Some people just need killed. And that's killing. where you start straying. <laughs> Some people desperately need yeah. killed, yes. <laughs> Look, sometimes... That's so, what the Orion so, Sometimes cut, cancer's got to be cut out. Yeah. And on that path becomes the za. This is great, and it's, I, you know, taking us down memory road here, it's, it's, it's I'm remembering all the games we play and whatever... Seventh edition is it still compatible with sixth edition? I, I noticed that you guys have a, you guys on the website have a bunch of stuff still out for the sixth edition. Is it is it still compatible, or is or the game system changed that much? Is the stuff from sixth edition compatible with seventh? Uh, to some degrees, no. And the reason that is is when we redesigned the system, we had to do a ground up evaluation of. What was overpowered? What worked really well, and what didn't. so so things and like that supplements a lot of like tweaks and changes. So you'll see some of the matrices are at different yeah, power sorry. level now. I mean, one of the big things that uh, I gave Tony a lot of grief on was like law rockets. Um, my Zen would carry about four of them because he was strong enough with his lift system. Which, if you played Battle Lords in the past, you know they did a hordes of damage. And it was very effective about taking people out, especially the big hitters. So we tried to even that kind of stuff out, as well as like the species. So uh, previous Eridani, Ram, were the premier fighters. Um, and those that played Sizerax had a good lot, a, a number of good bonuses and ability to um, get things done in combat, so to speak. But now we've kind of rebalanced them and retooled them. And so everybody has areas that they're strong in, like with the Sizerac, the agility. The Rams are still a strength. But we made it more so like the Eridani like, are phenomenal now with, with the hand weapons. And they get other perks as well. Um, on top of that, we've rebalanced weapons. So, you know, it kind of makes it easier for the GM or BM to... Uh, um, handle the situation and run it more appropriately, weapon equips, that kind of stuff. So you kind of have a better idea of what power level your enemy is and what you can handle and take. So there is some of that that you can do with um, bringing the the 6th edition information in and that. But uh, a lot of the weapons and equipment have been kind of tweaked. So you may see different numbers in there. You may see different abilities in there. You know, and they're all very similar, but they're slightly different. But hey, you know, it's it's kind of like anything. If you want to bring in your Gemini from the previous edition and give him, you know, bolted on armor, that's that's up to the GM and you work it out. Same thing with uh, some of the things like the Simon and and that. That's all going to be kind of GM related, but a lot of it is going to be just enough off that it may be get a little bit different, difficult. So, you know, house rules always apply. Whatever you and the GM can, GM can or BM can come up with is kind of what goes. So, so importantly, though, can we still use the fickle finger of fate tables? <laughs> Absolutely. <Excellent. laughs> yeah, so, so tell me about this fickle finger of fate. So the, collectively, there's a set of tables called the I Was Just Growing Up tables, and the intent is to progressively layer on additional details. The first table is a little good or a little bad, and we've got a common theme that we've tried to keep through the game. For the most part, if you roll low, it's good, other than damage. And if you roll high, it's bad. So we've reorganized the table so it's a little clearer to understand if you're doing well or not well. Because before it was just random. So you'd roll a nine and be like, I don't know if it's good or bad. Now it's like if you roll a low number, you know, ooh, I should get excited. Or you roll a high number, you're like, how bad is it? 
Um, so the first one's more lightweight stuff, like maybe you're a pacifist or maybe you've got a tick or something like that. The next one, maybe you've got a little extra money or a cool weapon, or maybe you've got a, a limp or whatever. The fickle finger of fate is the fickle finger of fate. You may have won the galactic lotto or the genetic lottery, and you're like either really rich or you have like perfect stats. Or the other end. <laughs> or there's a bounty hunter that's chasing you down right now. I find as a GM, I love that kind of stuff because I like, uh, well, consequences, but I, I like uh, anything that I can use to, you know, not necessarily against the player, but really against the player. So that, that kind of stuff is, is super fun. So that's, that's pretty cool. I like that. You know, we um, you, you guys mentioned Charlie Foxtrot, and that was your second Kickstarter, if I'm not mistaken. And it was funded in 24 hours, less than 24 hours. I mean, that's an amazing response for considering the last edition of Battlelords had been out 20 years prior, if I'm not mistaken. And how do you how do you guys feel about this? Like this 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 show of love for the game system. I think the response to the new edition of the game has been amazing. Uh, we've got some hardcore fans who have followed the game for 30 years, and we're glad they're still happy with the game. But really, one of our big goals was to expand the audience. Um, the game has been around for a long time, and not a lot of people know about it. And we think it's a great game, and we're happy that new people are learning about it and trying it. And we want to bring it to as many new people as possible um, so that they can discover battle hordes and, and share it with their, everybody else. So do you want to tell us about the, uh, the upcoming Kickstarter? Which fully is, armored. Uh, is it fully armored. Is it basically gear porn? <laughs> so the f- upcoming fully armored Kickstarter should be coming out soon. I know currently I'm working on finishing up the, uh, layout for the pages, all the new equipment and weapons, uh, as well as, um, armor and that should be finished up soon and then i believe it's just we're going to be outsourcing and and trying to get um our uh, artist involved and and into the loop so we can get this to be another great looking book because you know we enjoy putting out high quality pieces of artwork as well as quality um quality books yeah and one of the things we really tried to do with it is really fill in so with the core rules we only had this much space for weapons and this much space for armor. And it was constraining. And um, so what we wanted to do is like, okay, rather than just having a little bit and you kind of have, I've got a really cheap, I've got like a little tiny 22. I've got uh, a nice AR-15 and I've got a chain gun. We tried to fill in the gaps and re- bring the top end for things a little higher for certain types of ranges. So you have a lot more overlap between the types of weapons, between the types of armor, uh, so you've got a lot more variety and kind of angles to play so that the team, because uh, one of the things that happens from a combat perspective is, is sort, of, sort of a rock, paper, scissors mechanic behind things. And so you can't afford everything. So it's nice to have a mix of weapons because then it's like, okay, you shoot at this guy, I'll shoot at that guy. And then the team can start to take things apart. And there are definitely scenarios kind of like games like Magic the Gathering where you have this weapon removes the armor's uh, threshold, we call it, so the ability to resist damage. So think of it like resistance. And so you take that down, and then the next guy pops in with the laser, and he's dead because he's got no resistance to the laser. So there's it definitely cues into that kind of a thing. So it encourages people to really think about how to use things together and uh, from a weapons perspective and also layers of defense. Somebody bring up ECM, somebody else bring up a, 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 a anti-rocket system. That's great. I mean, I'm looking forward to picking them up. Uh, that'll give me an opportunity to get the new rule book and to get fully armored, um, which if I beat Chris to it, yeah. that means that I'll probably wind up running. Which is- <laughs> I think it's tough given my pile of uh, Battlelords books right next to me anyhow. Um, are you guys able to give us a time frame of when that Kickstarter is going to happen? Or are we still not at that point yet? So yeah, so there's kind of two pieces. In terms of book development, we're we're working actively in the layout stage, so a lot of the editing is done. Um, we have some layout editing to do, but broadly, we're we're looking at images that we need to collect and uh, a few pieces to commission, that kind of a thing. So we're broadly the books mostly together. The content's all there. Hmm. Um, from a kickstart of the funding side of things, 
I believe we're looking at a Q3, late Q3 timing, um, but I'm, I'm looking through the phone to towards Tony to give me a nod if I got that right. It looks like a nod. <laughs> I think I saw him nod. <laughs> Thumbs up. Okay, there we go. So speaking of Twitter and projects that you guys are working on and everything that's going on, why don't you tell us about Savage Worlds? Um, I know a, a member of our group is super excited about Savage Worlds, loves it, wants to put everything in Savage Worlds. Um, unfortunately, you know, he's got a, he's got a family and kids, so he can't do everything. Um, t- tell us a little bit what's going on with that. We're excited to bring Battle Lords, uh, to a new set of fans through the Savage Worlds rule set. Uh, we tell everybody it's br- bringing armored infantry combat to, uh, to Savage Worlds. Uh, we think people are really going to like it. Um, you know, Battle Lords has a great setting and the current rules are, Fantastic if you're into tactical and uh, and gritty and a little crunchy, uh, but Savage Worlds works in this setting too, and uh, we've we've tailored the game uh, f- for that rule set to take advantage of that f- fast, furious, and fun uh, reputation that Savage Worlds has. So we think people are going to love it. The uh, I think ba- the Battle Lord setting setting really lends itself well to the uh, to the Savage Worlds rule set. Um, and it's in playtesting now, and hopefully it will be available um, soon. We're going to kickstart it and uh, bring Battle Lords to the, to the Savage Worlds crowd. And we hope they love it, and uh, maybe they'll check out the original edition of the game. Maybe they won't. Either way, we'll be happy. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's just spreading the... Uh, the the game to a, to a new set of players who might not have otherwise learned about it or tried it. Yeah, I think it definitely fits in uh, with with their theme of of uh, of kind of over the top combat and and uh, inflexibility and and just being able to run any kind of game because uh, like we've done we did the rifts in, in Savage Worlds and and just having to you know choose which bits you want to flip on in, in Savage Worlds, uh, you know, work for Rift. So I can definitely see, you know, if, you know, from what, what Chris and Tier have told me about the, you know, the, the over-the-top combat and, and crazy stuff and, and kind of humor of it all, I, I think that kind of fits with the Savage World system. And I think it that, that in itself could, you know, bring you into a completely different type of, of fan base, you know, other, rather than just you know, fifty-year-old guys like like us. <laughs> the Savage World conversion is really Tony's baby, and the purpose on it is we want to introduce Battle Lords, you know, a system that we really like, to a whole another generation of players. Yeah, absolutely. And what I, what I'm saying there was what I love that in the previous versions of Battle Lords, to what I've read about the new ones, reading the Quick Star Guy, reading the the stuff online is that you kept the dark humor aspect of it. You know, Uncle Ernie is still there. The fickle finger and fate tables are still there. The, the quotes that, you know, I, I stopped that, that Eridani's sword with my heart quote. I mean, it, it's all, the, 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 for me, that makes the game. I love, the, I love that sense of humor, but it's got all the technical love. And you as a DM can decide how you want to run it. You want to be serious or you want to have that humor in there. That's up to the DM and to the players group, but I personally love it. I love the dark humor. I'm a nurse, and we definitely wanted to keep that in. It kind of appeals to kind of all of our nature. But, I mean, it really has had that feel since the beginning, and we all kind of like that, so we wanted to keep it. Good. Um, so just a, a little bit more about, about you guys. How did, If you guys want to... Uh, Tell us a little bit about how you got into gaming, um, and maybe we'll start off with with Dave since he has the, the least lag. So, <laughs> um, hi, I'm Dave. I'm older than dirt. It was really cool when it came along because that meant we could grow things easier. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, so I got introduced to gaming way back uh, with the original booklets for D and D, and the original box basic set with the dragon on the front. Uh, that's kind of where I started. And then Travelers um, was very quickly one of the games that made uh, heavy rotation. And so being able to explore vast expanses and get into that kind of a mindset was, was a big thing. I used to spend a lot of time generating ships for that game and high guard rules and having battles in that space was lots of fun. 
Um, so that's kind of where I started after that. I, I've hit most of them. I haven't played Tune. I haven't played Paranoia. I keep saying I should. Call of Cthulhu with the right Game Master is a blast and a bit creepy. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's kind of my background. Kurt? So I started with the D&D box set and went on from there to start playing uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as well as uh, some Shadowrun and some Battletech. Uh, and then I met Tony and Dave at the martial arts studio, and Tony got me into his game, which was Blood of Heroes, as we continue to play different things. Um, and then he introduced me to Battle Lords, and I really enjoyed it. I love the ability to add things together and you know, kind of build your own build-out. It was pretty awesome. So we kept going from mm-hmm. there and, yeah. you know, kind of shared ideas as they went through book writing and that. So been around a long time together with this. Don't do the math. Don't, don't, don't do the math. Don't do the math. (laughs) And Tony started with first edition Dungeons and Dragons. Um, Thought that the concept of role-playing was really good, really cool. I was immediately hooked. Um, But the fantasy genre was never quite my thing. And uh, back when I started, there you know there weren't a lot of, of options, but uh, thank goodness there were there were some. You know we had um, um, the, the Palladium system uh, come out, and then we had uh, uh, Cyberpunk and uh, Top Secret uh, from uh, from the TSR guys and um, other other genres. And I thought this is great. You know, expanding that concept into other genres, uh, and and uh, once I realized that uh, the, you know there were other options out there, then I was I was definitely hooked. But uh, yeah, definitely a fan of uh, of the sci-fi genre. My favorite games are going to be you know Cyberpunk, Mechton, Godlike, um, Cthulhu Tech, uh, anything with a sci-fi bent uh, is is what I've been been drawn to and been gaming for. More than thirty years now. Yeah, I, I think that's pretty similar to, to us too. Like I started in middle school with a with a friend with with D and D, and then went into like everything else you see behind me there. <laughs> and like tier, it's about the same. I started with the red box and the dice you color in, and you know, then I got experimental in college, uh, <laughs> as you do. You know, apparently I'm the only one who started late as the uh, the college <laughs> dropout um, in the mid nineties. <laughs> Actually, for everybody's edification, I dropped out before playing the role-playing games. That didn't uh, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Not because. Yeah, it's not like the people that we used to play with in our, in our, uh, our, game, uh, our gaming group who barely had jobs and uh, all worked at the same place. <laughs> Probably but, much better now. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, so uh, to follow up on Nathan's question, we talked about the past. What do you guys play now when you're not playing your own game? What do you do? You still do any anything else? I've got too much going on <laughs> between work and this and solidarity. <laughs> Unfortunately, writing new material doesn't give us a whole lot of time to uh, play the game. A lot of what we get to do is uh, play test new scenarios and try things out, see how they work. Uh, what I have found that I've done is a f- uh, my son and a friend of his uh, started playing D anD. d and so his first kind of foray into it, I'm like, you know, dad used to play this so a lot. And so we sat down together and made him a character and ran him through it. And then uh, he had such a blast with that killing a goblin that, uh, you know, he wanted to do it with some other friends. And then on top of that, I ran him through a simple battle tech because he has, he loves Mecha. And so we played a very simple game of battle tech. And so it's, it's kind of trying to pass on the love for the games. Oh, yeah, I don't get a lot of time to play. If I'm not, uh, if I'm not writing or running Battle Lords, I'm, I'm writing for it, either the regular version or the Savage Worlds version. We've got so much content we're trying to get out there. But right now, I would probably say Battletech. Um, I, I jumped on the, the new Battletech Kickstarter, and I, I'm eagerly waiting for my Kickstarter goodies to arrive. Um, bit of trivia for you. Battle Wars was almost a Catalyst Games product. Uh, we talked to the Catalyst Games guys about publishing Battle or Battle Tech, Battle Wars rather, and mm-hmm. they were really interested. They thought it fit that niche between Battle 
tech and Shadowrun really well, but it was right when their Kickstarter hit, and that thing hit huge. I think it was probably the biggest miniature game Kickstarter of all time on there, and uh, they, their hands were full at that point, <laughs> uh, and it just never came to be, but um, that's okay. Uh, we, we love their stuff, and and uh, I spend a lot of time playing it, so yeah, I, I'd say battle, battle tech. Yeah, well, that that we've got the Kickstarter from Necrobiotic coming, which that yeah. should be interesting as well. But Kurt, I know we, I, I I know what you're talking about. I'm, my girlfriend's kids, they fa- so I introduced my girlfriend to D and D to one of one of my groups, some old friends. We got her in, in involved, and then the oldest saw us, you know, playing on Monday nights, and he got interested. He started. I bought him the the kids books. Now he wants. All he wants to do is play and make characters and design design and draw the characters that he's come up with his in his mind that are part dragon, part insect, part griffin. The imagination coming off of this kid is just fantastic. And I love it. It it makes my it it makes me really happy to see that. And, you know, like and I just want to encourage it. I want to encourage him. Like, do read what you want. Watch what you want. Do what you want. Just make that imagination grow, man. It's it's lovely. Uh, uh, yeah, I was just gonna say my 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 daughter just moved out and and she played with me a few times, but now one of her roommates is gonna start up a game, so she's gonna get sucked into it again. So, <laughs> so one of the things that I really like about uh, writing this and running the games at the cons is that we really get to kind of spark this, and I don't see it in a lot of the kids, other than the kids that are involved with gaming. Um, so, like, example, we had this group of 15-year-olds that were playing with us at the con. And it was hilarious because they all got so involved into it. And Tony's son, um, who didn't like to play, said it was boring, all that kind of stuff, decided to just sit in. And by the end of it, he was in it with these kids that he'd never met. They were all so invested in what they were doing and how they got through it. And, you know, hooting and hollering and just having a good time to the point where when t- when uh, Tony's son got home, he was like, Dad, I get it now. I see why I enjoy this. That was a lot of fun. So I enjoy that. I like seeing that we're, you know, passing it on to younger generations. Yeah, Tony, you go ahead. Yeah, funny story. Kurt got my son into role-playing. I've been trying to get him to do it for years and years, and he just wasn't interested and came to Gen Con with us one year, and Kurt was running that, that game at Gen Con where he had a whole table full of teenagers, and uh, my son jumped <laughs> in, and they had so much fun. Uh, he was hooked after that, and now he's trying to get his gaming group to play. They play Dungeons & Dragons all the time, and I keep trying to get them to try other other games, you know, like try 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 other games, and they aren't interested in it. So, the last time you went over there, I slipped a hard copy of the Quick Start rules into his uh, into his bag. <laughs> I was like, just show him this, uh, and he came back and he said, "Yeah, our dungeon master found those Quick Start rules, and he wanted to keep the book, so I, I let him have it." So, hopefully, we may have him playing Battle Lords. We may have a couple new converts, but uh, I think that finally did the trick. <laughs> That's what you got to do sometimes. <laughs> in my case, when I uh, first started playing, I started with Hardmaster, uh, not D&D. So that's a nice, very complicated system where everybody basically dies from the common cold. Um, and I went from that to my second system was Battlelords. So I wasn't even introduced to D&D until three or four game systems down the road. And when I got there, I'm like, what, what garbage is this? <laughs> But I've I've gotten into the swing of it too. Yeah. So Kurt, you mentioned Gen Con. Um, speaking of Gen Con, you guys got Gen Con coming up, and your entire set is sold out already. I mean, just gone. So are you guys excited? With tell what do you guys got to tell us about what's going on? The fact that all of our sessions have sold out um, pretty much almost immediately is a uh, pretty amazing for uh, for us. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. We ran ran a lot of games last year at the con virtually. And to be there in person and be able to talk to everybody, see everybody, get them uh, engaged in this, uh, it's just really nice to be able to talk to and communicate to your fans that way. 
Are you going to be trying out any of the the new gear and stuff like that? The stuff that are you going to doing preview pre- previews of the Kickstarter material or? We won't have anything from the Kickstarter material because we have the set pieces that are actually all part of Charlie Foxtrot, which okay. is our last book, which is the one shots. Those are those the, those one shots broadly were created to do events like Gen Con. Mm. Uh, so we have there, and actually some of that gear is actually going to make it into Charlie. Uh, from Charlie Foxtrot into fully armored because it was not in the, some of those things are not in the core rules. Um, so the goal is to really just kind of keep it to the things we've got because we're running a lot more games than we have in the past. And we've had the the luxury and opportunity to actually have a booth. Um, it won't carry into the next year. So we'll just kind of have to see if we can manage to make it into the lottery there, but uh, definitely very excited. Good. Good opportunity. I haven't been to a con in so long. It, it would, uh, it's not, not in my, near future plans, but I, I'm, I'm a little jealous that you guys are going to be able to do that. That's great. And then Tony reminded me, we do actually have one thing we were going to preview and I forgot about this. Apologies, Tony. We have the Savage Worlds rules that we're going to demo as oh, one of the okay. games. So there is that opportunity to get in on one of our next projects. We've got a lot of upcoming projects. <laughs> I lose track sometimes. It's just nice because I, I feel like you guys are doing, you know, something as friends together, working on a project and, and, uh, and hopefully not like trying to like rip each other's throats out, like in real life. <laughs> um, because I, I know, you know, uh, uh, you know, like working on the, on the podcast, sometimes, you know, when, when somebody like bangs our microphone all the time, I, I, my eyes start to like bulge and my veins start to pop. And, and, and so I know like working together uh, on a creative project can be, can, can be trying sometimes. So how do you guys you know, manage that and, and stay, stay friends? <laughs> Um, I'll start and the other guys will jump in. Um, so I think part of it is we all worked out together doing martial arts together. So you build a lot of rapport mm. with your partners because you're literally responsible for each other's safety. And so that's a part of it. Part of it is we, we have fun beating on each other just cause, mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have a great sense of humor. So we play off of each other a lot. Um, and we allow each other the space that we individually need when things are going on. We all have different schedules and lives and we all have families and things come up. So give grace where we can have a lot of fun where we have the opportunity to be together. That's great. Kurt. Well, Tony, Dave, and I known each other for a long time and we started working together in the martial arts studio. So in that place, you know, some things happen. Sometimes things happen. You get hit. Tempers flare. And you got to trust that the person you're working with is not doing it on purpose, not intentionally hurting you. So once you get in that mindset, you kind of keep that going. And so now uh, we we have a healthy respect for each other. And so we know when, you know, Dave's on it, he's got something that he really just can't let go of. And he's trying to get his point across. It's just not coming across the way we're seeing it. And same with Tony, we're just, you know, sometimes we just miss it. We're not explaining it correctly. So we all give each other the benefit of doubt on that. It really makes it easier and nice to work with. That's a valuable asset to have. I'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I tell people we work together pretty well because we all have, I jokingly say we have complementary versions of, of OCD. Mm. Um, we're all really good at one specific thing. And we tend to complement each other, uh, where we, we cover each other's weaknesses while in, in enhancing each other's strengths. Uh, occasionally, we do butt heads, uh, mostly Dave and I, because our OCDs are very similar. We're both very analytical um, and, and strongly opinionated. But fortunately, we have Kurt and Michelle who uh, who act as tiebreakers. And a lot of the times when, when and Dave and I are butting heads, it's because one of us doesn't quite understand what the other one is trying to tell them. And Kurt can usually get us to step back and go, hey, you guys, I think this is what he means. But, um, you know, it's not to say we don't have shouting matches, but uh, things turn out uh, better in the end. Uh, the, the game product is stronger for it. If we don't dig in our heels when the answer becomes obvious, you know, if Dave's got an idea. Well, you know, I've got an idea. We'll argue about it. But when the when the clear winner comes out, we're like, yeah, you were right. Let's go with that idea. And, uh, you know, sometimes it. Uh, you know, it, it takes a bit of an argument, but we, we stay friends and the, I think the product ends up stronger, uh, for it. And, uh, like I said, give, gives Kurt and Michelle something to do, keeping, uh, keeping Dave and I from <laughs> getting too out of hand.
And we also, when we're, when we see people digging in, we do tend to give a little bit of space and kind of go, okay, what am I missing? And then Kurt's always there to jump in and kind of go, hold on, let me explain. (laughs) This is what he's saying. This is what you're saying. Kurt? So Dave and Tony are both type A personalities and I'm not. So generally I get to be the peacemaker or, you know, try to explain things to him. Okay. This is, this is what he means, you know, or Dave, this is, this is what Tony means. Tony, this is what Dave means. And basically try to help him work it out and get through that. And if nothing else, you have the martial arts to fall back on to see who can beat up who. You know, it's a perfect system. <laughs> I'm pretty sure uh, between the three of us, there would be no <laughs> real winner. Whoever walked away from it would know they'd been in a fight and would probably be uh, severely injured at that point in time. <laughs> There's really no winners in this one. <laughs> we all know each other real well. There's no winners. It's a lot of pain. <laughs> kind of a metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure Nathan likes to cause us great pain in the campaigns he runs. Every little mic pop yes. um, that he doesn't like. Every bag of chips yeah. consumed by one of our members <laughs> on, on mic, just hot mic and a whole bag of chips, you know. <laughs> we lose so many characters that way it's 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 true but i mean we, we we we've got we've got our own dynamics yeah it's 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 fun and matt who's like the whole podcasting was started with with matt blue falcon and, as we like to call him yeah blue falcon <laughs> yeah yeah so we we definitely go back and forth sometimes on like editing choices and stuff like that what to keep in and because I like all the jokes because these, these guys are super, super funny and probably about 90% of our podcasts are just, are just jokes with like occasional role playing. And, uh, and it's always a challenge. Like how much do we keep that, keep that in versus what people are probably, they probably don't want to hear us making dumb jokes for, for 90 minutes. So, but that's what we like. So <laughs> do you guys have anything else that, that, uh, you want to touch on about Battle Lords or what you've got going on? Um, any other projects? Give us a little preview or, or uh, a teaser. So after we finish Armored Up, we're looking at additional books like um, the Halls book, Hostile Alien Life Forms, as well as we want to work on um, a vehicles book. I know we want to do some more spaceships, that kind of stuff. Uh, the deck plan's been really popular, so we really would like to do some more of those. Uh, as well as we want to give more information about the universe. So, you know, just different things, either supplements like Charlie Foxtrot or, you know, additional species, that kind of stuff. Um, all those things just kind of add and make a little bit uh, more depth in the, the Battle Lords universe. And we're interested in keeping expanding it i mean we want to do more like galactic undergrounds and that sort of stuff mm-hmm. okay we also have a project where we're gonna put together because we've gotten some interest in ships new ships and new vehicles so the vehicles will probably make it into a um warmonger's guide but there's also a lot of interest not whether you're a bladder lords player or not there's just not as many deck plans out there and so interesting environments to yeah. play from a sci-fi perspective so Expanding some micro PDFs of I don't know how many pages, but you know smaller than forty eight pages. Looking at some things in that space to help add um, material. So there's there's we've got a lot of projects in the fire right now, um, and the the Savage Worlds we've talked about a little bit, and there's um, probably four we estimate four ish books there already, mm-hmm. maybe five. So with the micro PDFs, would that be like a you release? You do like 10, 20 of them, and then once you have a critical mass, you you do a, a, a published printed version? Is that kind of the... Uh, we haven't really figured out how we might integrate that together. So we might take that path. We might include them into a warmonger's guide. It's it's, it's that We're trying a little bit of a test to see how well they do. They seem to do pretty mm-hmm. well because um, we released a, um, the initial deck plans, and that did pretty well. So we're just kind of testing the waters okay. with that. So the Warmonger's Guide are basically PDFs that uh, we eventually plan on putting into books. But for right now, they're basically just little snippets, things that we can put out fairly quickly that add to the Battle Lords universe. Um, I know the first one's been out, uh, and it's downloadable, and I think it's like five bucks. But it has more information about species. I think it's got a few more weapons in it. Um, You know, talks about different parts of the planet. Basically, it's a lot of the stuff that we couldn't fit into the main book because we quite frankly ran out of room. Mm. 
So uh, we plan on expanding those and using that. And we've even talked about other supplements like it to, to put more information out there and into the hands of the players. You know, if people want to follow uh, Battlelords news or, or get uh, updates about uh, upcoming, upcoming Kickstarters, projects, things like that, what's what are the best ways to get a hold of you guys and, and hear about this stuff? So we're available on pretty much your social media flavor of choice. We have a couple of Twitter accounts. One is from Granny, for those who are familiar <laughs> with Battlelords. Granny is a uh, very entertaining member of Balshroom. She's actually a hardcore Battlelord, um, but she's uh, really more functioning as a... a um, specialist in the field in advertising um, for her as advertising their products, really. Um, so uh, there's two different ones. That one's got more of a, a kind of a funny granny edge than the regular Twitter account. Um, we do also have a discord group that we run and uh, people are actively involved in that one, uh, asking questions and, and getting feedback on how to you know play certain scenarios out and, and that kind of a thing. There's also an active discussion on there around the Savage Worlds. So we will do actively in our game product development, we engage with our uh, base to uh, play with things, like chess things out, try new ideas. Uh, so gameplay and play testing is a, is a big part of our product development. So Discord's a great place there. Fa- uh, Facebook, we're active on Facebook. There's Facebook discussions groups there too. Uh, we also look for feedback on how to deploy things. We asked a question recently about um, for Canada, uh, we're, we're finding that there's a couple different ways we can deliver to Canada, and we got some feedback a, a, around uh, delivery from the UK. So we're just asking our Canadian uh, fans, what do you think works better for you uh, so that we can try to get feedback about are we doing it the better way? Um, we have Instagram as well. So we post uh, we post things for Instagram. Uh, we also have a mailing list. So a lot of different ways to get engaged. Uh, we uh, tend to prioritize the mailing list when we're starting to publish for a new thing coming out like Kickstarter. So the the ones who get on the mailing list will get uh, the heads up about the Kickstarter going live first. Um, and there are those things in the Kickstarter that sell out very quickly. So if the Kickstarter is of interest, then definitely you'll want to get that. And we can get you those uh, after, the, after the podcast so you can include them for people. Yeah, I'll include all links to all the social media and, the, and everything in our show notes for people that are interested. And, and a link to 23rdcentury.net or battlelords.com. Yeah. I think links right to it. And you can I'll throw all that buy the books right straight <laughs> from it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tier, Chris, did you guys have any further questions for the I think we have to, to answer the most pressing question uh, we had. Guaranteed, guaranteed. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, how does Chunga um, feel about it, how this interview went? And not to be confused, that's the Volcano yeah. God, not the <laughs> heavy metal band. I mean, who's got the D100? I've got the table right here. <laughs> <laughs> Pulling some dice out. Hold on. All right. I've only got D6s please, in this All room. I'm going to ask is please don't draw mud. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> so a 59. <laughs> Long and noisy. The Volcano God is trying to send you a, a secret message. Hmm. <laughs> Volcano Thanks. God. Thanks. Very interesting. Thanks. Hey, guys, we want to thank you. This has been excellent. Do you, do you guys, uh, we're, We've monopolized your time all night this evening. Do you guys have any final comments, thoughts, words you'd like to get out to the listeners? The Quick Start Guide is the easiest way to pick up Battle Lords. It's Battle Lords Light. It's got all the information and everything you need to play uh, Battle Lords of the 23rd Century. And best of all, it's free. So download it. Get your friends to download it. You know, make up a character or play a character in it and just have fun. And I'll add, there's also a free sneak peek at the art. The art that we have in the core rules is stunning. Um, we wanted the core rules to be top-notch um, and industry best standards, lay flat binding, the whole match. And if you want to see what's in there, download a free copy of some of the artwork and go, ooh, and then buy our book. <laughs> From a couple of guys who spent you know 20 years playing it, I wholeheartedly agree. Thank you. Uh, I'm looking forward to one of these guys uh, running me through it because I'm going to make their lives miserable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we we've we've made, we pretty much made our uh, our our new arc uh, DM cry last night. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and he hasn't he hasn't seen Chris play an Orion Rogue yet, and that's one of my favorite memories of all time. <laughs> chaos. Pretty much everything is chaos. Fodder good for chaos too.
they're next on the list. Yeah, thanks so much, guys. This is really good, and uh, I, I loved you know commiserating with you with you guys. I, I you know, wish you the best of luck on the project. I know I'll be back in it when it comes out because it looks uh, like tons of fun and right up uh, my alley. So uh, I'm you know, glad we were able to make this uh, mostly work, barring the tough technical difficulties. So thanks for for sticking with us. We'll uh, we'll when we uh, when we get the campaign going and we start publishing episodes, we'll uh, we'll tag you guys and let you know what's going on. So th- and just want to say thanks a lot. It's been great talking to you. Thank you very much. We appreciate the opportunity to come join and share a little bit about our love for our game. Awesome. Thank you. Good night, guys. Thanks, gentlemen. Good night.